Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Not joined by Kevin Zerman. We have two special guests here today. Of course, it's the seven seconds or less newsletter slash podcast duo. I mean, I mean that duo's a bit strong, right, Max? Like you pop on for a podcast once every four months. David's the one doing all the hard work, but it's David and Max. Max, hello. How are you? I'm doing great, and you are absolutely right. It is David doing all the hard work. Nobody should ever uh, mistake that. <laughs> David, the man with the hard work over there in, in the in the morning over there in Australia. How are you doing, pal? I'm doing well, guys. It's uh, always good to jump on with Max when he is available, but also with you. I have always enjoyed our three people pods. So happy to uh, chime in for Kevin here. Yeah, very excited to have you guys on it. And David, I I do like to hear uh, both your guys' analysis after wins for sure. But I like talking to you guys more after losses because that's like where the problem solving kind of starts. And both of you have a really good mind for that. So it was good, I guess, and fortune for that, that we planned having you guys on a week ago. And it turned out that they did lose game three. I know it's not good news for any Suns fans, <laughs> including you two Suns fans specifically. 103.94. I just realized this pulling up the box score. The dream is dead. I tweeted like, I think it was like at 49 or 48. No, uh, when they give up less than 110 points, basically whenever they, play in relatively low scoring games they're going to win uh and they lost this one it was their first loss in that kind of circumstance i think there was a lot to take away from this game but you could put it down pretty simply to just a lack of is mental focus too strong max i I felt like mental lapses was maybe the right way to put it the effort and energy might have been there what'd you take away max just from how they came out and kind of just played sloppy uncharacteristic basketball yeah, I don't think that's too strong, actually. I think that we saw we saw uh, Dallas, you know, in a do-or-die situation at home in Game 3 show up like it was a do-or-die situation, and the Suns showed up like it was a regular season game or like they just thought they were going to win. I think the columns I've been looking at in the box score the most are the uh, steals, blocks, and turnovers. You see uh, four blocks and 12 steals for, for the Dallas Mavericks. You see five steals and one block for the Suns. Uh, you see uh, 17 turnovers for the Suns, and you see eight for the Dallas Mavericks. I think that tells the story of the game. Um, they shot 90 shots. We shot 76. We actually shot better from three, but we made the same amount of threes because they got more up. They just had more chances than we did because we, like you said, we were sloppy. We turned the ball over. We did not come ready to play. And they kind of jumped on us. And uh, I think it was a wake-up call. I was hoping it would have been a wake-up call they would have responded to in the, the second half. Um, but it actually got a little bit worse in the third quarter. They they let a couple calls get to them. I don't think the officiating was that bad. Um, but I think there were a couple calls that the Suns had go against them that they really kind of made them lose focus. And that was kind of the story of the game. Yeah, you really hate to see the officiating thing specifically just because of the way people are already reacting to the fact that Scott Foster is not assigned to a game today, which makes everyone believe that he's going to be assigned to game four tomorrow. And if he is, like, you know that there's already sort of a, I don't want to call it a mental block, Max, but it's it's kind of bordering on that, just with the way that he kind of holds, like, some sort of equity over a Chris Paul game, really, in terms of just how it feels like he is officiating it differently than others would. And for them to have that kind of mentality in their heads going into a game that he could be officiating is just something worth mentioning. I hate giving Scott Foster any sort of content at all, to be honest, because refs <laughs> shouldn't be content. I thought the NBA uh, official Twitter uh, video was just ridiculous, kind of mm-hmm. like making him a content guy. 
because that's just not what referees are um, and, and they shouldn't be. Uh, if they're looking for attention or, or whatever, like they're not in the right profession. Like they just, they just should, we shouldn't know their names. Like I, everyone's trying to say like Zach Zarba, great official. We should talk about him more. It's like, we should just never talk about officials to be honest, just never. <laughs> but uh, that kind of concerned me a bit. David, we just saw that really weird start to the third quarter where end of the first half, it looks like they're kind of starting to figure things out offensively. Mikel cuts it to five. There's a, a steal by Jay Crowder. And then Jay misses a three. And then a Brunson airball goes right in Powell's hands. He kicks it over to Dorian Finney-Smith for a three. There's a DA missed bunny in there. And then there's the Booker turnover that was like a missed call or whatever. The Suns are still arguing it. And then Dorian Finney-Smith gets an open three. And then bang, they're down 14. Bang, they're down 16. And then they're just fighting for the game the rest of the way. It, it didn't feel like a huge disconnect, David, but just that more so that Dallas was really ready to jump on any sort of suboptimal effort from the Suns. And I think that's exactly what we saw, David. What were your thoughts on just how the game unfolded overall? Yeah, I think you guys have touched on a couple of key points, but I came away from it just thinking that Dallas did a really good job junking the game up. Like it was incredibly slow. I think I tweeted after the game, it was played at 89.5 pace, which wow. is crazy slow for the Suns in particular, who were uh, just a tick over 100 during the regular season and even uh, 94.3, I believe, during the playoffs. Dallas much slower in both the regular season and playoffs. So it was it was played at their pace and they did a really good job of just junking it up, as I said, and, and kind of making it uh, a game that the Suns aren't used to playing. And then, yeah, that third quarter that you both touched on, that little spurt, was really what killed the game when I was expecting them to to regroup after halftime and, and know what to kind of go to. And they just were uncharacteristically not themselves. Um, I just think that there was that stretch. Uh, I think everyone will probably remember the, you know, Booker argued call that resulted in a wide open three at the top of the key as being kind of the nail in the coffin of the game when you, when you look back on it. And um, yeah, they just got, kind of too caught up in in those missed calls and things going on. I agree with Max. I think it was uh, not a great officiated game, but not in uh, favor of either of the teams. I think it was just kind of bad in general. Um, and the Suns let that get to them. And there was a lot of chirpiness going on. And I, I just think that they, um, yeah, fell into the mental side of the game in, instead of focusing uh, on what they needed to do. And, and that's what Dallas needed. As I said, they needed to come in and, uh, change the course of of the series and and the direction of the way that the games were being played, and they were they were really successful at doing that. The main part of the game to really highlight from a numbers perspective to me is the nights that Chris Paul and Devin Booker have, and there are several different ways to go about this. I want to get Max's thoughts on just what he saw, and then David, if you saw anything kind of schematically that Dallas did to affect them. But Max, we're looking at two games where these guys both score; they come score combined thirty points. But the craziest part is they only took twenty two combined shots. And they had 12 total turnovers. I, I didn't feel like they weren't uh, – I didn't sense watching the game or watching it back that they weren't being aggressive enough. But for either of them to just not get their shots up in a game like this that they're chasing for the entirety of it, it was, it was just really bizarre to see those numbers overall. Were you seeing anything in terms of just maybe they weren't seeing the defense right? Anything that you think could have contributed to them not having a real impact on the game that we're used to? Yeah, it's a really good question, and we'll see if David has some good schematic thoughts on it. I mean, obviously, they were blitzing them a little bit more, and they were certainly, whatever they were doing to them, they were making them very uncomfortable. They were they kind of seemed dazed. Everyone was making the joke that Chris Paul was hungover for his, from, his, from his birthday, 
But I mean, he had seven turnovers. I think all of those were in the first half or all but one maybe were in the first half. And dude was just throwing the ball, you know, to the other team and just lazy passes. The kind of thing you're just, you're, you know, we're used to seeing Chris Paul have 10 assists and zero turnovers in playoff games. And it was almost the opposite here. He had four assists and, and seven turnovers. Again, I think, I think a lot of it was they were getting blitzed. And I'm interested to hear David has to say about that uh, a little bit. But also, I mean, there were times during the game where I was just like, Devin, where are you? We need you to start scoring here. The fact that he finished uh, six of 13, only took 13 shots, four or six from three. Like he, he was shooting well from three in this game. It just, it, it, you didn't feel a sense of urgency. It really, to me, felt like these guys, you know, they thought the series was over. And, and maybe it still is, but they, they really gave away this game and with their, their performances in particular. Uh, four free throw attempts for Booker, zero for Paul as well. That's mm. a key part I left out there too, because if you see those little field goal attempts, you're just assuming, oh, we took 15 free throws or whatever. Not the case at all. Uh, David, I saw the same thing that Max did with the blitzing, and it just felt like Dallas was, was sharper defensively, but I didn't notice anything too out of this world schematically that was just really eliminating them from the game. Did anything stand out to you with what Dallas did defensively, David? Yeah, I think you've primarily kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of what they did. And that's they, you know, randomly blitzed a lot more pick and rolls for both Chris uh, and Book. And, you know, if I had a criticism of Book during the season, Max knows this, is he goes into over manipulator mode where he Mm -hmm. really slows the game down. He's throwing those, you know, cross court corner passes as great as they look. And they do generate some great open shots every now and then he can get a little bit too in his head with that, where he sees the blitz coming. Uh, It's almost like an ego thing. It's like, Oh, I can back out of this. And then it's a four on three that I can overly manipulate. But I just think it played into Dallas's hands too much. Again, like I said, at the top, they just played too slow. Chris played too slow. They've got to hit the pass straight away as soon as that blitz comes. Whereas they were trying to take on the challenge of like, all right, I'll take the double. uh, I'll get out of it. uh, And then we'll get the next open shot. Whereas they've just got to give the ball up straight away. And I'd say that's what we see uh, in game four as a key adjustment. If the blitz continues to come, I think I'd expect both guys to give up the ball much quicker. Uh, And in Chris's case to Devin, like you said, Kellen, like Devin just kind of disappeared a little bit too much. I think, I mean, Dallas played defense. If I had to, I guess, scout the Suns uh, and work out the best way to, to try and beat them four times in a series, you know, what Dallas did would be exactly what I would do. I think, I think we've all noted in the last 24 hours that Mikhail and Aiton particularly missed, you know, quite a few bunnies. Um, But you kind of live with that if you're the opposition because you're not really dealing with any great decisions here and you'd rather try and get beat by those two guys uh, than, than Chris and Devin. So I think they did the right thing. Uh, there was a couple of things they, they were happy to late close out on Mikhail in the corners and force him into putting the, the ball on the floor. We've seen during the season that that's a pretty successful uh, way for the Suns to win as a third or fourth guy. Same with DeAndre, but they just managed to pressure them enough and, and get some bad shots out of those two guys. And uh, I'm not expecting it to continue. I always look for, you know, what's uncharacteristic and, you know, 17 turnovers, very uncharacteristic. And I think that's going to be an outlier, but I don't know, maybe Dallas can throw another curveball the next game. And then all of a sudden you've, you've get, you, you've been dragged into a series. So I agree with Max. I don't think it's like going to be a huge concern, Going forward, I always look at, you know, I think Dallas now has to find another way to beat the Suns because I think the Suns will be ready for it in game four. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, no, uh, I, my level of concern 
I, I didn't even hit any yet. I haven't reached any yet for this series, and, and I still haven't. Uh, but speaking of, like, game four adjustments and things like that, in game two, Max, I thought we saw pretty much the perfect way to play against Luca in terms of what they what they thought was the right way, which was, which was we're going to wear him down. And by wearing him down, what we're going to do is allow him to get his switches, allow him to play one-on-one and all that kind of stuff. We saw Luca really adjust to this in game three by really going to the post a lot and the Suns help and just all their spacing defensively just wasn't really there. It felt like Luca had like five seconds in the key. Sometimes Max where he was just pivoting, 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 and no one was coming over to help whoever was guarding him. And he's too crafty or too good of a score. Then once he gets two feet in the key, another body has to come over. And he was just really aggressive getting downhill. And so was Brunson and the Suns were just not ready for that from a team help perspective and they just weren't helping enough. And that's something I asked Monty about during practice today. And he just said, yeah, there are those possessions where he's dribbling four or five, six times and it's still in one-on-one and it's, and, and it's Luca and you got to prepare for him there. I think that giving Luca more to work with like they did in games one or two will be a necessity because him beating the Suns by himself is something that they'll live with, but we're not in that reality anymore because Brunson has gotten going and pretty much everyone max on the Dallas side played well in that game. Yeah, the Brunson thing is key, obviously. I mean, he went from being a non-factor to uh, leading 1,000 points and being super efficient while doing it. So when, when he's doing that, it's going to be harder to defend, and that's, that kind of goes without saying. The Luka thing, I think that's a great thing to bring up, the Luka in the post sort of thing. I totally agree. I mean, I, I think playing – we, you know, David and I talked a lot about this in our preview pod, is playing Luka straight up is definitely the way you would ideally like to go, more wear him out on, on both ends and don't let him get everybody else involved. But when Brunson's able to penetrate anyway, and and you know you're, Luca's getting deep also, like I think that's when you have to start paying a little more attention to Luca because if you give him five seconds to operate cerebrally down in the post, he's gonna he's gonna win in those scenarios every single time because he's massive and smart as hell, and it's just like he's going to outsmart everybody on the Suns in that situation one on one. He just is, and also if it's guys like Chris Paul, Devin Booker, even Mikael Bridges, he's gonna overpower them as well. So it's just not a fair fight down there. And, you know, everybody else is playing well and you, and you have to hang on to them. You're going to have to. But uh, Lucas, and, and that's another point I want to get into is, you know, maybe we maybe you can dish a little bit of uh, Dallas zone medicine to them in this next game tomorrow. Maybe you try to, to, to you know, throw a little more aggressive defense at, at Brunson in particular and see if he can handle it. Um, don't let him have the free reign. Don't let him have, have, you know, he was so bad in games one and two. I think the Suns weren't that concerned about him. But maybe in game four, the adjustment is, hey, let's let's really go after Brunson and see if he can handle it. David, uh, I, I have transformed as a person since the last time you talked to me. I am now a hashtag feed Aiden, hashtag Aiden Hive, hashtag Aiden over Doncic person uh, because I've spent, I've spent every podcast uh, since game one, so like the last two now, harping on how much I think they need to get DeAndre Aiden the ball. And they just did not do a good job of it again in this game. And I thought that in New Orleans, they really unlocked another part of their offense, particularly through the way DeAndre was playing. And there was a possession where DeAndre got the ball on the baseline against Kleba and put up like a hook shot from 12 out that, that didn't go in, sadly, David, not to uh, help, help your brand out there. But he, he missed it. And then I, when he missed it, I was like, yeah, they didn't double. And I was thinking all the kind of stuff, like how they defended it. Kleba looked okay. Because I realized like we've only had like six or seven of these possessions in total for the entire series so far, just to get a feel for how Dallas is even defending it. And that was, that, that's crazy to me. And to extend to that point even further, what I asked Monty about today was when JaVale was in, uh, they were going super small. Uh, they were yep. playing Finney Smith at the five, and I, I didn't even finish my sentence. Like, I got halfway through it in mind. I was like, yeah, we got to get JaVale the ball. Like, we just – we cannot just have him out there and then not capitalize on his size when they're going that small. 
David, the obvious answer here is the Suns should go small and, and just match it. But we're, we're going to operate under the thought process that the Suns are going to c- continue to play big. Uh, what are you seeing from them that isn't really allowing them to utilize their size these last two games? Because that's, in my opinion, that's been the biggest win for Dallas so far. Yeah, I don't expect Monty to go small just yet, but he does like to see that uh, if they've got that advantage, uh, that they're kind of you know hurting the other team on the other end offensively. I think we saw it in the Pelican series a couple of times, particularly with JaVale, you know, as bad as or as you know, as some of the mistakes he was making on the defensive end, he was really punishing him on the offensive end. And I think Monty will live with the bench kind of um, canceling each other out for most of the series and, and hope that the starters can do the damage. But I, I agree with you on Aiton. You know, the feed Aiton kind of conversation is always a little bit of a frustrating one because I, I just try to explain that it has to be done in a certain way. And I think uh, they maybe fell a little bit into the trap uh, last game that Dallas wanted to, to where they tried to feed Aiton in, in situations that aren't advantageous to uh, the Suns and, and the way they play. I said it at the top. I think Book and Chris just need to give the ball up. I think, again, that's why the game felt very uncharacteristic to me. If this was last year's playoffs, it, it would have made a little bit more sense to me, but they've trusted Aiton through a whole playoff finals run, a whole regular season now, and in that first series against the Pelicans. So they just missed him. There was a lot of times that they missed him as that kind of release valve uh, that he he's fine. He, He's really great now at finding the right areas to kind of operate in and, and be that release valve on doubles and, and pick and roll and things. And uh, he's been super efficient so far in the playoffs so far in the pick and roll. So I think that's one thing looking at the film, they'll kind of identify that. I think it'll be very obvious to them. And I think it'll be a huge change for game four. And I think it just goes to show how, you know, even professionals, um, you know, not us watching at home can see a few shots bounce in and out and it just changes the kind of mental psyche during the game and they kind of go away from things. I, like I think that hook shot that you mentioned, you know, it, it, it didn't go in, but it was a great way to kind of um, go at the way that, that Dallas was was guarding the Suns in that game. And I'd, I would have loved to see them go back to it, as you noted. You know, Max and I talk about this quite a lot, process over results. And I just think they there was a period there in the middle of the game where they could have got back into it, where I think their shot quality was actually quite good. But uh, they went away from some things just because some balls, you know, bounced out of the rim. To follow up on kind of that conversation, uh, Max and a guy that came up in there is Kleber. And there's... A couple of possessions he had last night, and especially because I was able to sit courtside and see his athleticism and speed up close. I was like, man, Kleber's Kleber's a really good player. And I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, well, if I'm saying that, that probably means the Suns aren't doing their job because Maxi Kleber is a good player. He's a really good player, whatever you want to say, but he's their fourth, fifth, sixth best player, right? Like, he's a good pick, but he he shouldn't have been really impacting the game the way that he was able to. And to an extension of that point, Max, uh, a big number that stood out to me, 21 three-point attempts combined just for Finney, Smith, and Bullock. And I felt like the majority of those were good looks that Dallas wants. Where did you kind of sit watching the threes that Dallas was able to generate and just going from like, yeah, okay, you let Finney Smith and Bullock beat you to no, this was too easy. Because I felt like it was a ladder a bit. And the other thing I talked about before I ended last uh, podcast was the assist numbers, 25 for Dallas tonight. And it felt like their ball movement was a lot better, Max, which is on, the only real concern I had for the Suns coming out of this game was letting Dallas get a little bit too comfortable moving the ball. 
Yeah, I think it was an extension of the rest of it, honestly. I think when you when you when you attack the game the way Dallas did and the way the Suns didn't last night, you tend to get the bounce to go to the, your way. You know, the the ball moves well when you when you attack the game you did. And I think Cle- I think Cleaver was a great example of that because I thought he was awesome last night. He was so active. He had three blocks. Uh, like you said, two or four from three. This guy couldn't shoot a three at all at the end of the regular season, and now he's become like the best three point shooter of the league for the playoffs, which has been helpful for Dallas, obviously. So I think. And this kind of also, I think this contrasts here with Aiton a little bit. I see what you guys are saying about, about Aiton. I agree with you. If we had gotten the Aiton that I think we've had for all the playoffs so far, I would agree with you. But I just, I hated the way Aiton show, showed up last night. I thought he looked awful to start the game. There was one possession where he, uh, there was a loose ball like near his feet. And he just like, I think let three separate Dallas guys have a chance at it because he just wouldn't go after it with any sort of gusto like whatsoever. I, and I think maybe part of the reason why the Suns weren't going to him is because he was a little deer in headlights Last night, and and that and I think that contrasts really well with all the Dallas players. Every single one of them was locked in. They all seemed like you know it seemed like they they all understood the game plan when the coaches went over it the day before, and they all executed perfection. Like they all were on a string, knew what they were all doing. And the Suns looked, looked like the exact opposite. They looked like they showed up just without any plan whatsoever. And I thought, and I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about that. I, I think Aiton might have been sort of one of the higher culprits of that. Uh, I agree. It was it was one of those DA performances that's underwhelming and it's the exact kind of box score we see from that where it's like 16 and 11 on 6 of 12. Like, yeah, okay, like decent production or whatever, but just in terms of what we were seeing in front of us, it wasn't really uh, there at all. But David, I, I know how you like kind of like to see the game and I know you're going to be watching for a couple of like really key things on the first couple of like possessions, the first quarter as it is for game four. So what is just one thing that really stands out to you that everyone should be watching for at the start of the game and just what Phoenix needs to do to change what happened from last night? Yeah. I'm, I'm, firstly, I'd say I, I agree with you, Max. I think Aiton has a propensity to when uh, they've been given a different look than they saw in the last game, it, it just takes him a little while to process it. And that's where you can see him kind of float through games and not be as engaged as he needs to be. And, yeah, that one stood out for me that you mentioned. You'd just love to see him dive on the floor and, and bust up a pack like that, even if he doesn't end up with the ball. So uh, hopefully, Kellen, we see a, a more engaged DeAndre Ayton in game four to start the game because I think a lot kind of stems from there. Uh, you know, I think we've talked about it at length here. Does Dallas come with the same defensive game plan and and what are the Suns doing differently to to counteract it? I think we'll see you know, maybe some Pelicans series stuff where we see guys, other guys bring the ball up a little bit more, uh, you know, run Chris Paul off those elbow actions that then go into a pick and roll. I think it becomes a lot harder for Dallas to, you know, go straight to, you know, traps and blitzes uh, when you've run something prior because they're, they're already bent out of shape a little bit on defense. So I think we'll see Monty and, and Chris kind of reach a little bit deeper into the bag and, and, and some of those set plays that are on Monty's orange sheet. I think we'll see that a little bit more. I was really disappointed. I tweeted at halftime that I thought that there was a couple of things that they run, mostly stuff with double screens that, again, like I said, they were getting really great looks out of and, and some shots just didn't fall. And uh, that's where I'd like to see them just consistently run those things uh, and the averages will kind of work themselves out. I think once you start panicking and tinkering too much, um, that's when the game can get away from you because you move to something else and the shots don't fall there and, and all of a sudden it's it's game over. So, yeah, I think we'll see a lot more double screen action if anyone's wanting to look for things. So, you know, two up where they bring the two bigs, you know, out of the elbows up really high, uh, double drag where it's like two screens, one after the other. Um, and I think that plays into 
that that blitzing defense because I think it's common sense if you throw two screens uh, at a pick and roll for Chris Paul or at a ball handler like Devin Booker, it's a lot harder for the three players in that action to kind of work out uh, who's doubling, who's going with the rolling big, you know, are we switching? So I think it'll just confuse the Dallas defense a little bit further. Yeah, and, and expect, uh, I think, Jay to be either the ball handler in those situations a lot or a screener just to get Luca yes. like, put put Luca in a situation where, oh, you guys are going to blitz Devin Booker. Okay, Luca, go blitz and recover. And, and I think exactly. that's where they can really, really uh, go at him. All right, guys, uh, thank you so much. And, and to that one point, David, the one thing I forgot to say there, um, Bullock was great in, in that game last night. I thought maybe he was the second best player on the court, and it was just really his defense on Chris. Anytime anyone plays a role in getting Chris to play not like Chris, uh, they deserve their flowers. And he, he played really, really well and just looking to see how he plays for game four. Thank you guys so much uh, for joining, like I said. Uh, Max, anything uh, to promote besides your Twitter where you'll be depressed about the Cardinals like I will be? <laughs> no, I'll just, I'll just promote the Phoenix Suns. Just want to remind everybody very quickly that we went very far in the playoffs last year and lost every road game three except for one. So road game threes are hard. Don't get too down. We have a great chance tomorrow. Already bet a lot of money on them. So let's go Suns. <laughs> Max MCC 11 on Twitter. We've been Twitter buddies for a while now. Podcast buddies for a while now. Nice to have you on, buddy. David, the newsletter. Where do people get it? How do they get on it? They can find it at the fourpointplay.substack.com. Uh, always happy to see some new people subscribe after every new newsletter that I put out. Uh, I'm working on something which will hopefully become relevant by the end of this series. Uh, and as we mentioned at the top, Max and I, uh, as long as the Suns stay in the playoffs, like to jump on and, and review the, the uh, last series while previewing the upcoming one. So Max, hopefully I talk to you pretty soon uh, where we're looking forward to a, a Western Conference finals matchup. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, me too, man. And I think if you look back at the fun, at the series that they had last year and the series that they've had this year, if we get a Warriors matchup, I think in terms of hype, nothing else is even going to come close. And I'm yes, I'm including the finals on that, just from the matchup and just what everyone is expecting, which is probably the winner of that series to to win it all. And that's what we could be talking about here in a week and a half. Thanks, guys, so much for uh, joining again. Uh, we will be back, everyone, on Monday afternoon at some point. I got to figure out who I'm even having on. I'm flying back tomorrow night. A lot happening over here, but a, a good time of the year as always. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next time. See you then.